thank you. Thank you for being here. What a great day. Amen. Just glad that you're here. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28 for some really good news that you can use to make your life better. I'm going to read to you the resurrection of Jesus from Matthew's gospel chapter 28. We'll throw it up on the screen. This is out of the New King James Version. Here's what it said. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to bring news to his disciples. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them and said, Rejoice! So they came and they held him by the feet and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they can see me. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would see you today. And I pray that we would be moved by the message of Easter. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you can pick up your newspaper or log into your favorite news source on the internet, or maybe watch news on TV or listen to the news on the radio on your way to work, and most of it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. I mean, doesn't it? Because most of it's not even worth hearing, I'll tell you that. But occasionally, you will read or hear some news that really moves you. It's not just news to use. It is news that moves you. In fact, you can't shake it. It's something that makes you start thinking. It causes you to feel something on the inside, and then it moves you to do something. You know, that's what should happen with this incredible news that we have just read. The Bible calls it the good news, that Jesus Christ is alive. It's news to use, no doubt. But more importantly than that, it is news that should move you. Because let me tell you, in Matthew chapter 28, this news was certainly moving some people. For example, the earth itself was moved by what happened. Verse 2 tells us, there was a great earthquake. One translation uses the word violent to describe the earthquake. It was a physically moving experience. When Jesus came out of the tomb, God rocked this world. <laughs> he shook things up. And there was a mighty earthquake. Can you imagine what that was like? But there's even more. The Bible tells us the angels were moved 
by what happened. The earthquake itself was apparently associated with the arrival of this particular angel dispatched to the tomb to roll away the stone from the opening of the cave. Here's what it says in verse 2. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. The Bible says his appearance was like lightning. And his clothes were as white as snow. I tell you, that would have been something to see, wouldn't it? Yeah. This angel rocking the world, man. I'll never forget, uh, years and years ago, I went to uh, my first real church to pastor. It was in Pine Bluff. Gary's back there. Gary grew up in Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff, the Oak Park Church was kind of a, I don't can I say this, Gary? It's kind of stiff-necked and rigid, you know, and proper things to do, certain things you did do, th certain things you didn't do. And I was new. I was a young punk kid, young preacher. I read this story, my very first Easter there, and I was preaching on this angel rolling the stone away and then jumping on the, the rock itself. And so I was demonstrating that up on the stage. Imagine me back in my mid-twenties, okay? And so I was acting like I was rolling that stone, and then I ran over, of course it was on the other side, but I ran over and I jumped up on top of the baby grand piano and sat there. Just like the angel said on that tomb. Well, all of the air in the sanctuary was gasped out. No lie. And after they picked up a few of the old ladies out of the floor, I got to finish my sermon. But, you know, that would have been a sight to see, wouldn't it? The angel rolled the stone back and then he just sat on the stone. But here's what I want you to get. The angel didn't roll that stone away to let Jesus out. The angel rolled the stone away so that everybody could see in and see that Jesus was no longer there. Hey, number three, the guards were moved by what happened. Verse four says, the guards were so afraid of this angel that they shook and they became like dead men. When it says they shook, it's the same word that's used in verse two to describe the earthquake. These guys were shaking in their sandals. Because that's what... Nathan, that's what they wore back then. That's all right, man, dude. Woo. Yeah? Th listen, they were moved. Uh, they were shaken. They were moved. They were scared to death. And they must have thought, you know what? We're toast. How in the world can we explain this to our captain, our chief? We are Rome's elite soldiers, and yet we could not even keep a dead man in the grave. Not only was the earth moved and the angels moved and the guards moved, but number four, the disciples were moved by what happened. Now, on that first Sunday morning, the two Marys went to the tomb expecting to find a dead man in need of embalming. But instead, they found an empty tomb because Jesus was alive. And I'm sure it was still soaking in, but instantly they were moved to fear. But the Bible says that fear suddenly turned into joy. Verse 5 says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're here looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. <laughs> and guys, he's not. He's alive. He's alive. Church, here's what I want you to know. Easter is an earthquake that shook the world. God rocked the world at Easter time. Easter changes everything. It got everybody's attention. 
the power of God's mighty resurrection. Why shouldn't that get people's attention? And that's not just news they could use. That was news that moved them. And I think that same news needs to be moving us today. Why should this news move us? I've got three reasons for you. Number one, it should move us because of what it reveals. What does the resurrection of Jesus reveal? Very simply, it reveals that Jesus is God. That's what Easter teaches us. It reveals that Jesus is God. Now, now just think about the words of the angel. Verse 6 again. The angel said, He is not here. He is risen. And then get this, just as he said. That's the kicker right there. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said he would. You see, what makes the resurrection even more amazing is that Jesus said it would happen before it happened. You know what he did? Zane, he called his shot, man. You ever been, any of y'all play basketball? Has anybody ever played basketball? There's a game you can play called horse. You know, if you don't want a long game, you can call it pig, whatever, but you know. And, and all of a sudden, somebody does this crazy shot. It's, it's a turnaround fadeaway between the legs, loop up, and it goes in. You think, lucky dog. You know, they are so lucky. But what if they called the shot beforehand? Turn around behind the back through the legs, lay up. Boy, wow, that's awesome. Let me tell you, Jesus called his shot. He prophesied he would be crucified and that he would be raised from the dead three days later. And it happened exactly as he said it would happen. And the fact that it happened testifies to the fact that Jesus is God. Now think this through. If the resurrection had not happened as Jesus said it happened, then we couldn't trust him for anything else he said that was true. But because he kept his word about something as impossible as being raised from the dead, then guess what? You can trust his word on every other promise he's made. Because he's God. You can trust his word on the promise of peace he offers you. You can trust his word on the promise of forgiveness. You can trust his word on the promise of eternal life. Like that promise he gave us in John chapter 11 verse 25. When he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live and he will never die. Why should the resurrection move us? It should move us because of what it reveals, that Jesus is God and we can trust him. Number two, the resurrection should move us because of what it releases. And you're asking, well, preacher, what does the resurrection release? Well, it releases the power of God to change your life. We just sang about that a moment ago, and I believe it's true. God's power can change your life. As a pastor, I talk to people all the time. And they say something like this to me. Preacher, my life's out of control. And I don't have the power to change it. I can't change my situation. I can't break this bad habit. I can't change my marriage. I can't get out of debt. I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't have the power. And you know what I tell them? You don't have the power. 
And I'll tell you, you don't have the power. What you need is a power that is greater than yourself. Because let me say, God never meant for you to live your life on your own power. That's why we have Easter. God is giving us a power that is not of our own. He's giving us a greater power, an overcoming power. Ephesians 1.20 out of the Living Bible says, How incredibly great is His power to help those who believe in Him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. <laughs> Do you see that? Now, would y'all quit acting like a bunch of deadhead Baptists? <laughs> this is pretty awesome, man. I mean, this is great. The same power that enabled Jesus to rise from the dead will help you rise above your problems that are killing you. The same power that God used at resurrection time 2,000 years ago, you can use this morning to rise above your circumstances. Now, we don't know what the future holds, do we? None of us. I don't know what's going to happen next year, next month, next week. I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know what? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because even though it is out of our control, it is not out of God's control. And God's got the power. You just got to get plugged into the power source. Easter should move us because of what it releases, and that is the power of God. I got one more for you. Easter should move us because of what it reverses. What, what does the resurrection of Jesus reverse? Two things. It reverses the effects of sin and death on my life. That was really the point of Jesus dying and being raised from the dead. It was to break the power of sin and death over our lives. Romans 4.25. It tells us that Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins. And he was raised to life for our justification. That's great news. That's great news. I'm telling you why. You know why? Because sin has a grip on our life. All of us have sinned. All of us have that in common. We're all sinners. All of us are guilty before God. And you know what grips us because of our sin? It's guilt. I mean, all of us deal with guilt. We've all done things we wish we hadn't have done. Come on, be honest. We've all said things we wish we hadn't have said. Some of you more than others of you, I know. We've all thought things that we wished we hadn't have thought. We all have regrets. We all have guilt. And that guilt is a powerful force in our lives. But here's the promise from God's Word. I love Colossians 2.14. Here's what it says. He, Jesus canceled every record of the debt we owed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You see, I owed a debt I couldn't pay. It was a sin debt. But through His cross and His blood, Jesus has canceled that debt. How did He do it? Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross, man. Oh, wow. You know what canceled means, don't you? It's kind of like a canceled check. 
Once a check's been canceled, you don't have to think about it anymore, do you? You can forget it. Once a bill has been paid, you, know, you don't have to worry about that bill anymore. Why? Because it's been paid. And that's what the Bible promises God can do for us. He can cancel our sin. He can pay our sin debt. We don't have to worry about it anymore. It's been canceled. So get this. Listen to this. What God has forgiven, I can forget. Now come on, guys. What God has forgiven, I can forget. I don't have to keep beating myself to death over the things that I regret in my past, rehearsing the memory of those things over and over and over again. I can quit nailing myself to the cross because of my regrets in my life, things that I feel bad about because Jesus was nailed to a cross for me. Woo, man, good news. Good news. I love that verse, man. He canceled my debt. He nailed it to the cross. I feel, I feel sorry for, for you kids in here today. I feel sorry for kids. I feel sorry for all the kids back in Brother Johnny's. I mean, they, you know why? They, they don't have the cool toys that I had when I was growing up. You know, I can remember taking these cross-country trips with my family from Midland, Texas to Brownwood, Texas, like two and a half hours. But Lord, let me tell you, it felt like a cross-country trip. In the back seat with my sister in the 61 Chevy Impala, man, good grief, dude. You know, kids today, they, 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 don't, they, don't know, they don't know how good they have it. All they have to do is put the earphones in and they have a, a, you know, a little screen right in front of them in the back of your headrest and they're watching movies. What's wrong with that picture? Can I, kids are spoiled rotten today. I want, to, I want to start a new sermon. We, did, we didn't have that when I was a kid. You know what we had? We had one of these. Only one. And there were two of us. Lord have mercy. You know what? You know what? Okay, can I tell you what would happen after that? When it started? One of the two parents, which are seated right here on the second pew, would just they would just reach back and they just start. They didn't care which one of us they hit. They And, and Brother Ken, I don't like the cars today either because back then you had those big old cars and, the, and the, the, the dash in the rear was as big as the dash in the front. So I'd crawl up there on the dash so I wouldn't get hit. <laughs> y'all know what this is? It's, a, it's called an etch-a-sketch, a great. How many of y'all are really good with this? You got two little knobs here and you turn them and there's a little line. Can y'all see that? No, you can't see it because it's too small. But here you go. You can just draw stuff. Jason, you can see that. Did you have one of these when you? Did you really? It's awesome. You see what I just drew right there? Yeah. Is that supposed to be Florida? I don't know. Florida, California. <laughs> I, the point is I never was good at that. And my sister would antagonize me. What is that, William? That's stupid. You, you can't draw. 
And then she'd call me Marilena Whitelegs, and the war was on, baby. Let me tell you. That's a whole other story. That would be another series after the kids are spoiled series. But anyway, you, you mess up, but that's okay if you mess up on an etch a sketch. And it's a clean slate. It's a clean slate. You get to start all over again. Let me tell you, that verse in Colossians is the etch-a-sketch verse of the Bible. Woo! God says, if you come to me in faith, if you ask Jesus into your life, I will forgive you of all of your sins and all of your regrets. I will give you a second chance. Because he's the God of second chances, man. Isn't that awesome? Kind of reminds me of the lady whose husband died. She was devastated. So as a widow, she had put on the tombstone this, this engraving. The light of my life has gone out. Isn't that sad? Every day for months, she would go and sit at the grave and just look at that. The light of my life has gone out. What did she engrave on it? The light of my life has gone out. But as time passed, she quit going. Finally met a guy at a bowling alley, fell in love with him. I just made that part up. I don't <laughs> sounded, sounded good at the time. She got married, and so she went back, and underneath the light of my life has gone out. She had inscribed, I've struck a new match. <laughs> oh, that's pretty corny. But you know, here's the deal. God lets you strike a new match today. Okay? He's a God of second chances. The, the sin problem can be dealt with because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only does it reverse the grip of sin in my life, the resurrection reverses the grip of death in my life. It, that, that really is the greatest problem that we have as human beings. Death. I mean, really, we don't know what to do with it. You certainly don't like to talk about it, and you're getting a little nervous right now about me talking about it, and you wish I would shut up so you could go get a cupcake. But you know what? It is a problem. Because we're all going to die. Eventually, I'm going to die. You're going to die. All God's children are going to die. So you know what? We better be prepared. Only a fool would go through life unprepared for something he knows is eventually going to happen. It is going to happen. And that's why Easter is such good news. Because at Easter, Jesus conquered sin Death and the grave. First Corinthians fifteen fifty five. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That's good news, guys. We no longer have to fear death because Jesus, through his resurrection, has given us victory over death. That's why Paul could later on write, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, for the people of the world, that's crazy talk. I mean, how in the world can death be gain? Most people think that the opposite is true. But not for those of us who are born again. We know that the moment we take our last breath on earth, we will take our first breath in heaven. 
And that's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be awesome. So, it forces me to ask you the most important Easter question you're going to be asked all day. Do you know for sure? I mean, do you know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven? I mean, no question, no ifs, ands, or buts. Do you know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven? Yeah, if I were to get on Interstate 540 and go to the Rogers exit and, and uh, stop right there where the intersection is off the exit ramp and stop people as they come by, go across those three lanes of turns and ask them this question. If I ask them the question, are you going to go to heaven when you die? 99% of those people I survey would say something like, well, I sure hope so. Because let me tell you, I've asked that question a lot. And 99% of the time, that's the answer I get. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Well, I hope so. But then if I were to follow it up with this question, on what do you base that hope? Again, 99% of the people would say, well, I hope I'm good enough. Or I hope I've done enough good. Or I hope that my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. And that's what they're basing it on. That they're good enough. Wrong answer. That's the wrong answer, man. That's the way the world sees it. The world thinks, you know what? If at the end of my life my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then maybe by chance, through some hope, I'll get into heaven. It's not what the Bible teaches. Can I give you the cliff notes on the Bible? I don't care if you want them or not. I'm going to give them to you, all right? Here they are. This is what the Bible tells us about heaven. Heaven is a perfect place, period. It's perfect, absolutely perfect. There is no sin in heaven. There is no crime in heaven. There is no disease in heaven. There are no mistakes in heaven. Heaven is a perfect place. The second thing the Bible teaches us is this. You have to be perfect to get into heaven. It's a perfect place. You've got to be perfect to get in. And you're sitting there thinking, dude, really? I don't have a chance. And you're right. You don't have a chance. Neither do I. But that's what Easter is all about, guys. Heaven is a perfect place. And if God let you in being imperfect, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. So God sent Jesus. God sent his son. Now, those of you who come here on a regular basis, you've heard me say there's only one way into heaven. You heard me say that? And really, there is. But if you want to be real, real about it, there's two ways to get into heaven. First way is you be perfect your whole life. You be perfect out of your mama's womb. You're perfect. Now, I know some of you who have had little babies, you thought they were perfect. Then about two years old, you realize they ain't perfect. You know, and then you reach that point of accountability and, and you grow in your adolescence. You know what? You'd still have to be perfect. You would have to always do the right thing, always say the right thing. Your whole life, you would have to live your life perfect. And then at the end of your perfect life, you would stand before God and God would ask you, why should I let you into my perfect heaven? And you would say, because I was perfect, Lord. And he would say, 
You've earned it. Come on in. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. You've already goofed up. It ain't going to happen for you. It ain't going to happen. That, that would be like them saying, okay, we're going to change the requirements to get into the MLB Hall of Fame, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. In order to get in now on this new criteria, you have to play air-free ball your entire career. So if you play in the MLB for 10 years, you, you can never make an error on defense. Every time you step up to bat, you have to hit. You have to get on base. How many people do you think would make it? Zero. Because none of us are good enough. And it's the same way with being perfect and getting into heaven. You can't do it. And God knew that. So God devised His plan of salvation. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on Calvary's cross. And Jesus shed His perfect blood to take away your sin. And by simply trusting in Jesus, He's your ticket to get into heaven. And all you have to do is accept the gift. It's the gift. And so when you stand before God, and you will stand before God. And he asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? If you say, it's because I was good enough, you ain't going to make it, man. But if you say, God, it's because I accepted your gift of eternal life. I accepted your son Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Then you know what? You're going to get in. Isn't that awesome? That's what Easter's all about. It's all about God's free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. It, you know, fact is, fact is, we don't like to talk about dying, but the fact is, we're all going to die. And how crazy is it to live your life knowing that something is inevitable in front of you, but not being ready for it, being unprepared? So I want to help you get ready right now. All of us who are here today on this Easter Sunday, all of us came for different reasons. Some of you are here because it's just your habit to come to church every Sunday. Some of you have come out of tradition. Some of you are here because it's, it's Easter, and that's what you do on Easter. Some of you are here because a friend invited you. Or maybe you were out at, at Raleigh Farm, our property out there yesterday at the egg hunt, and, and you thought, man, this, this church is pretty cool. I, th I guess I'll go to church. Or maybe you saw one of our ads out on a, on a, a big bulletin, and you, you said, hey, man, I'll, I'll go check it out. But the deal is this, no matter why you think you're here, you're not here by accident. I want you to try this on for size. Listen to this. A thousand years ago, a thousand years ago, God knew you would be here today. <laughs> wow, man. And a thousand years ago, God knew what would be preached today. And a thousand years ago, God put on his calendar, you know what? You and you and you and you and you, all of you, you're going to be at Kavanaugh Church Easter Sunday. Brother Will's going to preach this message about being moved by the resurrection. And I'm going to move that person. God's here to move you, man. 
God is here to move you. So maybe you need to move out from where you are and come to the front this morning and receive God's gift of salvation. It's a free gift. All you have to do is ask him. Maybe you're here today and you got that I can't syndrome going on because your problems are bigger than you. Today you need to come and get plugged into God's power source, the resurrection power source, and ask God to help you with your problems. Could be that you just want to come today and say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Man, thank you for Easter. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the second chance. Back when I was a kid, six years old, my pastor gave an invitation on a Sunday night. Actually, it wasn't an Easter Sunday. It was just, I don't know, some Sunday, and he preached on hell. Scared it out of me, man. <laughs> but he gave a challenge. He said, if you want heaven as your home, if you want to receive Christ and go to heaven and avoid hell, come tonight and receive God's gift. I was six years old, but I knew enough to know I didn't want to go to hell. And I accepted that challenge. I stepped forward. And it was the greatest moment of my life. Dude, I want to issue the same challenge for you today. God's in this place. And he's speaking directly to you about your life. Will you let him move you? Lord, I pray that you'd speak.